Greetings, friends. I'm John Haspel. This is a Dhamma talk from Cross River Meditation Center in Frenchtown, New Jersey. If you find benefit from this talk, please support the restoration, the preservation, and the presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma with your donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace. Tonight's two short suttas is on the hindrances, and I think you'll see the brilliance of uh, Siddhartha Gautama in kind of boiling down all the blocks that we might come up with in our minds about why we can't practice or why it's too hard for these five hindrances. And if you look at it, it's always one of these five. Um, it's an important teaching for us to be mindful of, and that's the first sutta the Buddha teaches, to be mindful of these hindrances. Why? So they don't stop us from continuing with our Dhamma practice. And it is always one of these hindrances that either stop us from meditating or stop us from integrating the Eightfold Path. These hindrances seem like they're... Um, or can seem like there's something imposed on us, that they're part of our nature. When the truth of it is, is each hindrance is a fabrication that we develop on our own. The fact that it's widespread throughout humanity, most, most human beings are hindered by these hindrances. Uh, one of them is doubt and uncertainty. And one of the major, and I'm not putting down this particular practice, I was involved in it for many years, one of the major lineages <clears throat> teaches to go deep into your doubt. And I kept going deeper and deeper into my doubt, and I became ever more uncertain. And I think, you know, that uh, phrase, what you focus on expands, is certainly true here. So these are, these are simply there to recognize and not let them hinder your practice. And if one or more of them are present, be mindful of them and simply abandon them. And if they come back again, abandon them again. And eventually, the power of your mind will overcome these hindrances. The Buddha teaches us that. That's what concentration is for. The more well-concentrated we are, the less these hindrances can take hold of our minds. The Avarana Sutta. On one occasion, the Buddha was near Savakti in Jita's Grove at Anathapindika's monastery. He addressed those gathered to hear the Dhamma, much like we are. Friends, there are five hindrances that overwhelm mindfulness and weaken wise discernment. One, sensual desire is a hindrance that overwhelms mindfulness and weakens wise discernment. So that one can come up at any time in our, in our jhana practice. It might be, geez, I just got to get this done so I can get to another piece of chocolate cake or, or a drink or something else or continue that argument or whatever it might be that is that our senses are picking up on and we think that we have to give into it. Why? Simply because I'm thinking of it. And what do we do when that happens in jhana meditation? We take a breath and unite our mind back in our body. And in that way, just the repetition of doing that will diminish the hindrances in, in their grab on your mind. Number two, Ill will is a hindrance that overwhelms mindfulness and weakens wise discernment. And so that's ill will towards others, but even more importantly, ill will that we're harboring about ourselves. Do we think there's something wrong with us? Do we think we're broken? Are we meditating to fix that broken self or find something that will fix us? That's part of ill will, isn't it? 
There's nothing wrong with us. We're human beings. The quality of our mind is up to us, even though we don't realize it. So if we think there's something wrong with us, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> <laughs> it's also good to chuckle once in a while. Number three, laziness and drowsiness is a hindrance that overwhelms mindfulness and weakens wise discernment. If you're too tired at the end of the day for your second sit, don't give in to that. Get a little bit more sleep because what's more important? The second sit is more important. Restlessness and anxiety is a hindrance, worry that overwhelms mindfulness and weakens wise discernment. You just can't sit here that long. I've got to be doing something else. That man is that bald headed guy is crazy to think I can sit here for five minutes. But every time you sit for five minutes and then 10 minutes, you're overcoming that hindrance. And then doubt and uncertainty is a hindrance that overwhelms mindfulness and weakens wise discernment. So how does that come up in, in Dhamma practice? It, it could be just that I just doubt everything that guy's saying, and I think that the Dhamma is a lot of hooey. Well, you're not going to practice if you keep thinking that way, and probably rightly so for you. But if you really feel like there's something in Dhamma practice, but doubt keeps coming up, now you can recognize it simply as a hindrance. It's a fabrication that you created. We create these things. These things don't just happen to us. They're fabrications in our own mind, which means we can end them. We can abandon them. The Buddha concludes that by saying, these are the five hindrances. But he doesn't leave us there. He says, I will provide a simile. Suppose a swift mountain river flowing unimpeded, carrying everything with it. A person builds many side channels, distractions, so that the current in the middle would be dispersed and dissipated. The slowed river could not carry along everything or go far. There's a misprint in that that I've been meaning to correct for 10 years. In the same way, when a person clings to these hindrances, gives them power, they are weak and ineffective in developing the Eightfold Path. Can't you just hear Siddhartha saying these things and almost in a pleading way, don't let it stop you. They're up to you to not, to, to recognize them as fabrications and abandon them. It is impossible for these people to understand what is for their benefit or for the benefit of others. It is impossible for these people to develop awakening and a true, truly noble, I like the way he puts this, a truly noble distinction in knowledge and wisdom. Now suppose a swift mountain river flowing unimpeded carrying everything with it, a person comes along and closes all the side channels by developing the Eightfold Path and the distraction. The middle of the river would be unimpeded and would not be dispersed and dissipated. The swift river would carry along everything and go far, much like our Dharma practice. In the same way, when the wise Dharma practitioner abandons these five hindrances, it becomes possible for them to develop strong discernment and, in, and are effective in the development of my Dhamma. The wise Dhamma practitioner understands what is for their benefit or for the benefit of others. They understand how to develop awakening and a truly noble state, distinction in knowledge and vision. That's the end of that sutta. Now the next sutta is a Nirvana or Nirvana sutta. Nirvana um, Broadly means awakening, but what it really means is extinguish, as an extinguishing the fires of passion. 
And so the Buddha often talks about how we are ruled by our passions for continued eye making. And so nirvana or nirvana is the what extinguishes these fires, or we have a with that, and we are in the awakened state or full human maturity. Welcome back, Dev. Just in time for the Nirvana Sutta. On one occasion, the Buddha was near Savadhi in Jita's grove at Anathapandika's monastery. He addressed those, those gathered to hear the Dhamma. Friends, be mindful of these five hindrances, in parentheses, to fully developing the Eightfold Path. And again, sensual desire is a hindrance. Ill will is a hindrance. Laziness and drowsiness is a hindrance meaning a lack of enthusiasm, mostly due to indifference. Restlessness and anxiety is a hindrance or worry, and doubt and uncertainty is a hindrance. Uncertainty is the other side of the impermanent coin, isn't it? Because of impermanence, excuse <coughs> me, oh, keeps losing his connection. Because of impermanence, everything is uncertain. We can never know what the next moment is going to bring, no matter how much we plan or how much we want something to be. Everything is always uncertain. And so it's easy for doubt to creep into that mind until you understand everything is impermanent. So don't cling to anything. When you finally understand it, much like Kandana when he first heard his teaching from the Buddha, and he said, all conditioned things that arise are subject to cessation. And the Buddha, you are now on a Kandana, the one who understands, meaning he got it. Losing the connection. These are the five hindrances. In order to abandon these five hindrances, the wise Dharma practitioner should develop the four foundations of mindfulness. Right? We do that in jhana meditation every time we sit. The wise Dharma practitioner remains focused on the arising and passing away of the body in and of itself, ardent, alert, and mindful while putting aside greed and distress in reference to the world. That last line, putting aside greed and distress, means we're not grasping after anything or trying to establish myself in any way. There's no more I making. This is also a reference to how we just begin meditation, jhana. We take a breath, we unite a mind in our body. Now we become aware that we're actually in a body that is animated by a mind that we can control. And we can control gently every thought that ever occurs to us through concentration and refined mindfulness. Number two, the wise Dharma practitioner remains focused on the arising and passing away of feelings in and of themselves, ardent and alert and mindful, while putting aside greed and distress in reference to the world. Number three, and again, it relates to the third foundation of mindfulness. The wise Dharma practitioner remains focused on the arising and passing away of thoughts in and of themselves. Thoughts are just thoughts. They're not anything special just because I'm, I happen to be thinking of them. And, and just think about how divided the world is in certain ways. That's because we're clinging so tightly to whatever my ideology is and no, no other ideology can fit. So if you don't have my ideology, I got to hate you. It's hurtful to have a mind like that, isn't it? That's so closed. Open up your mind. There's a book. 
I can't remember the name of it. I don't the title is great because it talks about opening up this. <laughs> Sorry for that little that side channel was open there. <laughs> the wise Dharma practitioner remains focused on the arising and passing away of the present quality of mind. That's the fourth foundation of mindfulness. We refer to, to it at the, the the closing instruction that I give. Notice the quality of your mind. Be at peace with your mind. It's your mind. That's in reference to the fourth foundation of mindfulness. Let me go back to it. <coughs> the wise Dharma practitioner remains focused on the arising and passing away of the present quality of mind in and of itself. Ardent, alert, and mindful while putting aside greed and distress in reference to worldly events. None of, nothing that's going on out there has anything to do with me. I don't need to take anything personal because I understand that nothing is. The Buddha continues. The wise Dharma practitioner should develop these four foundations of mindfulness, these four frames of reference, in order to abandon the five hindrances. That's the end of the Nirvana Sutta. So think about that little sutta in relation to what it's called. This is awakening. And we're using jhana practice, the four foundations of mindfulness, the first thing the Buddha teaches us, really, to counter what would take us away from Dharma practice. And again, the brilliance of this man to include even something like this that you could say is almost almost didn't need to get said, but it really does need to be to be said, doesn't it? Because it, it knocks all. And everybody I've talked to that has had difficulty with developing the Dharma, it's because of one or more of these hindrances. And once identified, sometimes it's hard to figure out exactly what's going on, but that's what class is for, too. But once we know what it is that's hindering our Dhamma practice, it becomes pretty easy to recognize it and over time abandon it and not let it really destroy your Dhamma practice. So I'd like to go around the room and see what you have to say about all this. Uh, and I'd like to go, ladies first. How are you, Jane? She hates going first. No, I don't. Thank you, John, for the teaching. I actually have nothing to add. Wow, I always like it when I leave you speechless. You so. said it all. <laughs> Thanks, Jane. I'm glad you joined us. Dev, what do you think? I know you're having trouble staying on. Uh, can you hear me? Uh, yeah, the, the I irony you. is... I hear you fine, Evelyn. The, the irony is, is the reason that I was having trouble staying on is whenever I would access the Becoming Buddha app uh, to read the sutta, it would disconnect me from the Zoom. Oh, so I, it, should be, yeah, I, it should be that. Maybe you, you uncovered a sixth hindrance. <laughs> I think so. Something, something uh, the Buddha missed. The internet. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we didn't have an internet back then. Well, well uh, I'm glad you persevered and stayed with us. You too. Uh, continue. <laughs> thanks, Dave. Thank I'm a teacher, Brian. How are you tonight? I'm good, thanks. Uh, the the hindrances remind me of the entry point to the first jhana. Yeah. Secluded from sensuality and other unskillful mental qualities, one enters and remains in the first jhana. Yeah. He's talking about the hindrances. And if you're on your cushion or you're off your cushion, they're they're a a hindrance to concentration. Yeah. 
you can't you can't progress until you you calm the mind and calm the body while you're in that jhana practice to to get to the next level of absorption and concentration so thank you thank you brian well said and and um in the beginning of any meditation practice but certainly jhana practice that is the problem you know we just can't imagine sitting for five ten or thirty minutes or whatever it is because of we need you know really it's boredom but we need constant sensual stimulation i just can't stand sitting here doing nothing just following my breath but if you persevere start with you know we always tell people start with just five minutes twice a day and build off of that instead of you got to meditate for an hour twice a day you know it just doesn't work for people so but any i i've never met anybody that that who wanted to develop this practice and sincerely engage with it that that didn't you know but everybody comes up against these hindrances right zach yes sir <laughs> that's it no uh, <laughs> thank you for the teaching um i appreciate john the way that you structure these teachings oh, thank you. um because on saturday we talked about the different types of dhamma practitioners and where what where they can expect to go based yeah. off of you know their their efforts and um now we're i think that was good for me because i realized that as i said i was practicing meditation perhaps more ardently than the rest of the path and now and understanding and going over the hindrances again which seeing why that may have been yeah and um it's all powerful stuff so yeah it is and uh, you know you, you point to the not that everybody has to come to every class but when you do come to every class you get that continuation that's part of the, the review <laughs> excuse me and it's right to see it that way you know these this is Again, it, it, it's still amazing to me that these teachings were still, are, you know, they're still here from 2,600 years ago, and they're still relevant. You know, this was given in a, in a language called Pakrit, probably. Nobody knows what, exactly what Siddhartha taught. And it went through hundreds of translations through German and, and Chinese interpreters. And somehow it was in this, <laughs> a couple of books on... Uh, that had the Pali Canon and this brilliant mind. I don't know why I was able to see it, but I figured out what I think the Buddha actually taught. And he taught human beings how to awaken, meaning gain full human maturity, nothing else. But what could be more important than to really know what it means to be a human being in this moment? And it changes. Once that's established, it changes every moment of your life from, from that point on. I see Julia shaking her head because you know it, don't you? It's gentle. Yeah. It's not like, oh, I'm a new person. It, I mean, yeah, it doesn't slam you like you're getting hit with a truck. No, something. I mean, obviously my practice is new, but I, I don't feel like a transformed human. I feel like I've slightly shifted into a way more calm and peaceful space. Yeah, and it's nice, isn't it? Very nice. <laughs> Do you have anything else you'd like to add? Um, I think I just want to say that the swiftly flowing river simile was yeah. it? 
Um, it's beautiful. It, especially being in a river town, but, um, it's so easy to see how that plays out in my life and how I spend my time. Yeah. And again, this is something Siddhartha said 2,600 years ago, it just, this fits. Why change anything? Thank you. Thank you. Mark, welcome to our song. I'm glad you joined us tonight. I hope you found some benefit here. Thank you. Good to be here. Nice to be here. And you don't have to say anything. Nobody has to talk. But if you have something you'd like to say, we'd love to hear it. Well, the, uh, the first hindrance uh, talked about uh, doubt. And, uh, I guess I would. Doubt could go, could be. Um, either way, either you doubt oneself, which is probably what, what this is, was referring to, or doubt or questioning the world. Yeah, you're right. Right. Being um, so, I, I I think it's a very positive thing to be questioning the world. To well, and not, not not necessarily accepting everything. At first glance, but as far as like doubting oneself, that's that's very uh, that's a very powerful thing to to watch out for. Yeah, it's debilitating. Yeah, yeah. And again, you're right that it it, it is in <clears throat> in both ways. If you doubt, I mean, it could be you know you just well, I can't do this. I can't do this. Well, anybody can sit for five, ten, or thirty minutes. It, I mean, only it's the easiest thing in the world to do is sit and breathe, isn't it? But because we need sensory stimulation so often, we just can't stand doing it. And boredom is, is the word that we use for the immediate need for something to happen. You know, bored, bored spit, let's say, let's get something else. Uh, but that's why we start with just small five-minute sessions twice a day, and most people can do it. So if you want to continue to join us, that's, that's the way to go. And uh, you can look on the, you know, the... Uh, Joy, get the newsletter and a point to what the classes are all about and all that. But I, I'm glad you joined us tonight. Please. Thank you, John. So, to me, I'm, I'm like, I just want to, I have to stop myself and breathe because I want to just observe everything. It's like, oh my God, I miss all of this for, for so long. And, but I can't be clinging, right? <laughs> yeah, that's regret. Let it go. Yeah, let it go. Yeah, you're here but, now. But uh, yes, I'm, I'm glad to be here. And, uh, thank you. I'm glad you're here too. Cody, how are you tonight? Uh, I am well, thank you. I'm <clears throat> contemplating ill will. Ah. Um, I have several confrontations that I need to make this week. And um, I'm distracted. Mm-hmm. Are they in and of themselves confrontational? Or is there something that you're making them? Well, I need to confront people with the realities of their situation as I see it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that's 
uh, difficult. Yeah, it's always uh, tricky. And there's some self-doubt there, which is also a hindrance. Um, and there's doubt towards the outcome of these confrontations. And there's yeah. ill will um, in the midst of all that. Um, so, you know, sitting this evening, I was distracted, but I found a lot of benefit in sitting by the time we were coming to the end of the yeah, cool. half hour. I uh, felt a little more clarity, but uh, I liked, or I, what, something that um, stuck out for me and that I think I'll carry with me for a little while is... Um, calming the passions yeah. Yeah. and um, and I, I've noticed this when I have to be in conflict with people or when I have to be in confrontation yeah. that there is a constant effort to calm that passion or that heartbeat or that um, you know, to get to the center of what's at issue or to stick to the reality and not be distracted by ill will or emotion or self-doubt or any of those things. But it's, um, I have a, I have a lot ahead of me this week and uh, I'm not especially looking forward to it, but I also don't want to become distracted from my practice. And I especially appreciate the teaching in that context. Finally, huh? Thank you. So, again, all you can do is the best you can do, and if you happen to lose it, you lose it. But if you're feeling ill will, if any of us are feeling feeling ill will towards anybody or anything or any system or anything that's going on in the world today, it's because of us. You know, it's not because of what's going on out there or how another person is. They're not to blame for ill will. If you think that, then you've really lost your mind, haven't you? If I'm feeling ill will for any reason, and I could justify it, you know, I, I've spent a good deal of my life justifying ill will and anger and hatred towards people. And it never got me anywhere, you know. Um, so do the best you can to be honest. And It sounds like these are things you have to do, probably because of your position. And be honest, be gentle, be straightforward. And how, and if you do those things, if other people kind of lose it, that's, you know, that's what's going on in their mind. But you can stay in control of yours. And if you don't, Cody, you tried your best, right? And go home and sit. And, you know, there's another day for Dhamma practice. None of us are, the only, the only way we can fail at the Dhamma is if we stop and let these hindrances actually stop us. So that's what the Buddha is teaching us. Don't let these things get in your way. They're here. Everybody's got them. Keep going. So, you know, thank you for the, you know, the courage you had just to talk about it. Ah, here's Deb. Keeps coming back. Mm -hmm. Okay, play that song. Well, <laughs> welcome back, Kata. Mr. Kata. Welcome back, Deb. Dama teacher, Rob. Yeah. <clears throat> Trouble I've always had with the hindrances was to try and do something about it. <laughs> <laughs> that's a hindrance isn't it yeah 
you know, you either try to 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 smother them, or you try to whack them out of the park, or disown them. They can't be or part disown of them. them, or drown them in the bathtub, or you know, you all, but you always want to do something about them. You know? And that's not what he's saying. He just says, realize that this is a hindrance. Yeah, stop fabricating it. And you know, let it go. It's it's not your hindrance, you know. Yeah. It's just a hindrance. Um, it'll come, it'll go. Uh, let you know, and and don't let it become a sideshow. Don't let yeah. it distract you. Yeah. Uh, it's a really difficult for me. It was a really difficult thing to do, to to stop trying to stop doing something about it. Yeah, you, just, you thought you were wrong in doing it rather than... Yeah, I was just, doing something wrong. Yeah. Uh, I was not getting my Dharma practice right. Damn it. Um, <laughs> and, you know, at, and at one point, uh, uh, we were sitting here and, and at one a member of the Sangha was having a really hard time, wanted to quit. And um, Jen said to him, it's just a hindrance. Recognize it. That's it. You don't have to write long letters. Yeah. It's just a hindrance. Sit with it and let it go. Yeah. We're working on it. Well, yeah. And uh, Mr. Right Effort, you stayed with it long enough so that you could understand it. You didn't, mm -hmm. you didn't let hindrances stop you. No, but but I... I, I, I Tussled with them long yeah, enough. You massaged them for a while. Hanging on them like a terrier. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Because they're your mind. Is you created them. Yeah. It's hard to let go of it. But again, they're all just fabrications. There's, there's nothing to them. I love Thank the uh, you don't have to write long letters. Yeah. <laughs> well, right. this, this particular yeah this no, particular member wanted to write a long letter to explain why he's had such a hard time. No, but it, I think that's, that's, it, I don't know, it really resonates with me because mm -hmm. that's how my mind is, right? You want to justify, you want to analyze, yeah. you want to un understand. Yeah, yeah, I, was, yeah. I think, Ram, you were talking about how the intellect just always wants more. Right. Just, yeah. Just well, we're, we're trained today. Everything has a root cause. You want to know what the root cause is? Go look in the mirror. <laughs> you know, really? I mean, where, where else could it come from? You know, right. if you're really taking control of your own mind, I'm doing this to myself. Just think about like, a, you know, you know, in the work environment too, when somebody yeah. ticks you off and you write that three paragraph email, just excoriating <laughs> them and you you end up deleting it. Yeah, yeah. Right. You never hit send. Uh, but sometimes you do. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes you sometimes but, send. But um, yeah, got to make sure you don't have anybody in the two line. Um, but and what is that? You know, the you blame any other person for right. how you feel for your ill will. Right. And just the reality is, you could just acknowledge it. Yeah. If I hate you, it's got nothing to do with you. It's got everything to do with me, doesn't it? Yeah. And the thing is how much time you spend writing that, oh, that yeah. email and, and going through the structure and making mm -hmm. sure you're making your point. Yeah. yeah. And sitting and in this. Am I getting the logic else? right here? So, yeah. so much. So thank you, Ron, for that it, as well. Yeah, it, it's really foolish when we look at it with you know the right right view. But 
most people live their lives with cats. Right, Dhamma teacher David? Right. <laughs> he has to say that. I see the hindrances now that I've gained a certain amount of concentration. It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity yeah. to kind of reverse engineer back through and origination and see yeah. you know, what this thing that he's fleshed out is simply ignorance. From that first thing, from ignorance of four noble truths, come fabrication. It's the first thing. And depending on rejection, we're going to. It puts a name on it. Yeah. The goal is just simply uh, aversion. Yeah. Greed and aversion. Now, two defilements. So you can really reverse engineer as you gain some semblance of concentration. Yeah. And that's the purpose of it. So you can be mindful of it when it arises. If you're not there for it, it's just this blind thing that flies by. Yeah, you don't realize you're doing it. And it takes a measure of concentration to begin with, just to be able to do do that. So that's the purpose. That gives a reason why you sit. You don't sit to relax. You don't sit to decompress. You sit to gain concentration. So then when that arises, I'm ready for that confrontation. Yeah. Because then it's not a confrontation, because I'm more in control. So, again, I, the I essence see, of concentration, isn't it? That's what you do it for. So I, I see it as an opportunity that, when it arises, because it does not exclude me from being angry. It yeah. lets me be there for it, and lets me understand that it's not me. It's not mine. This is not who I am. So it, again, it's it rolls back to the gentleness of this practice. Yeah. Thank that's such an important thing you say. The anger is a normal human emotion. It's just it's it's part of being a human being. A mature human being learns to not act on anger. It's a it's a red flag when you feel that. You know, wait a minute. Time to pause, it's time to take a breath. But it's it's just a, a normal emotion, just like you know. Happiness at seeing a beautiful sunset or whatever it might be. It's just it's part of being a human being. It allows you to develop that refined level of restraint. And then it just becomes yeah. something that you can abandon because you're simply understanding it more and more. Yeah. By continued practice. You know, as long as you don't let the hindrances get in the way, you end up like David. <laughs> Calm and peaceful mind. Most of, the time. <laughs> yeah, most of the time. Well, are there any other questions or comments? John? Yes, Dev. Or who was um, it? Ever? Ryan. Yeah, uh, yeah Dev. Um, Dev okay. I, was, I was wondering if uh, you could explain this one line um, about. Uncertainty is the immediate experience of impermanence. I'm not sure how to understand that. Um, because everything is impermanent, we can't be certain of anything, no matter how sure we might like to be. Because for one thing, in the next moment, we might bring our last breath. In the next moment, there might be an earthquake. You, you just, you can never know. But the reason why it's, we get ourselves in trouble is we start forming 
thought construct about how things are supposed to be and how they got to turn out for me, always in, always in my favor, by the way. And life just isn't like that. So the more that we can understand that a concomitant with understanding impermanence is understanding everything is uncertain, we'll, we'll avoid falling into doubt because of that. So it, it really is just another way of saying living gently with your own self. Right. I don't I don't honestly know. Does anybody know what the next moment's gonna bring? You know, nobody can really see the future, whether it's ten years ahead or, or ten moments ahead, right? So and again with that with a mind that isn't uncertain, each moment can be met just as it is. This is what's occurring. We you hear me talk often about we become a reference point to what's occurring rather than the instigator. You know, always trying to manipulate things. I'm just here, you know, living a peaceful, calm life. And this is what's occurring, whether it's teaching a class or anything else. And I and I would bet that each and every one of you, may, maybe not Mark yet, but I think tomorrow, um, you've had an experience of just being a reference point. It might have been just for a couple of moments or maybe a half hour, but you had that calm and peaceful state that you're just here experiencing your life as it is without the need for it to be any different and that's sanity it's a there's a touch of insanity to think that something should be different than it is because it's already occurred it doesn't mean that we might do things different to make a different outcome but in this moment we should always practice radical acceptance because here it is you know, I don't want to be against anything, no matter what it is. But it doesn't mean that I might do something different in the next moment. But that's because I'm here as a reference point to what's occurring. And it's wonderful being a reference point to all of you. So. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll finish with the Meta Sutta as we usually do. So these are the Buddha's words on metta from the Karaniya Metta Sutta describing the qualities of an awakened human being, what, what it looks like. This is what is done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. They are able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied. They remain unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways. They are peaceful and calm and wise and skillful, not proud or demanding in nature. They do not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove. They are always mindful that all beings be at ease. Whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born. They are always mindful to not deceive another or despise any being in any state. They abandon anger and ill will with ease, never wishing harm upon another. Even as a mother protects with her life her child, her only child, so with a boundless heart, the wise disciple cherishes all living beings. 
They radiate kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths, outwards and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will. Whether standing, standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, they maintain refined mindfulness. This is said to be the sublime abiding. By not holding to fixed views, the pure-hearted one, having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense desires, and having completed the path, they do not give birth to another moment rooted in ignorance of Four Noble Truths. The end, of it. So good, the end of our class. Thank you all. Thank you, John. Thank you, John. Thanks, Bob. Thank you for listening. I rely on donations to support the continued restoration, preservation, and presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma. If you find benefit here, please consider a donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace.